Hey, welcome to Let's Get Psyched. My name is Annabelle, and today I'm joined by my lovely friend and fellow cohort member, Bronwyn. Um, we are currently in a grad program together, and we're going to share about our experience with an addiction service project. So thanks for tuning in. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Bronwyn is going to kick us off on this episode and kind of explain how this all started. Thanks, Anna. Um, so as part of our training to become addiction counselors, we recently spent some time at a recovery center that seeks to help those in all stages of recovery um, who are trying to build relationships and skills necessary to succeed without the use of substances. So as part of that, we observed and led a mutual help group um, and observed a peer coaching session. So Anna, why don't you go ahead and share some of your initial thoughts? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I really enjoyed my experiences there. I also was definitely like, man, these people have a certain gifting who run this facility, the center that... Sometimes I feel like at this point I don't have or don't understand. And to provide a little context to that statement, like, as you know, most of the people who help run the center have overcome an addiction and are in long-term recovery. And I can't personally understand that. And so I think, A, seeing the process of how it all worked from someone first starting out for drug court to the successes they've had with their center who now help out and work there and do everything else. I think it's encouraging to see that like progression, but it also, like I said, of there's this like connection. I feel like I am lacking with the people um, that I don't, feel like since I've never struggled with a substance addiction um, that I can be as effective in relating to how important recovery is to them because of what it's done for me. And that's what lots of the um, like members of the center who work there like use a lot is kind of their story and how that's helped them. And so I appreciated the vulnerability and just the raw openness of everyone there. Like that's something I really enjoyed. Um, but I also was definitely like starting to think of my own effectiveness as well. Yeah. I think what I'm hearing in there is a little bit of self doubt about your own oh, yeah. ability to sort of work with this population. And I think the reason that that kind of, sticks out to me is that I have really similar fears about mm. myself. Um, and I think that was really kind of amplified right from the very beginning when we sort of, um, on the first day that I was in the center, there was like a vocalized assumption that we were as students um, visiting the center, that we were all in recovery. Mm. Um, and I think that I didn't know how to respond in that moment then. Yeah. And I think that really for me just set the scene of are these people going to accept me if they know that I am not in recovery or sure. that I am not, um, I haven't had addiction issues in the past. And just like you said, how is that going to impact my ability to um, 
help clients with addiction who come into me? Are they going to feel connected to me? Are we going to be able to make progress together? Um, and I think that's kind of compounded by some of the required reading that we've had for the courses. Um, it's been emphasized both in the dry book that we read and also in what's left of us that, you know, both of those authors who struggle with addiction themselves blatantly say that they don't think anybody who hasn't gone through this can truly yeah. understand what's involved. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think just hearing that up front from some of the center staff kind of made me super anxious. Oh, sure. Yeah, I agree. I think that because I, I even brought up in the peer coaching meeting, um, which is something that was kind of built up to in the center is we first attended a meeting um, and then we led a meeting and then we attended a peer coach meeting, which is one-on-one -on -one, more intimate. And the person had canceled on my day who was supposed to come in. So they role-played one for me. And I definitely was just like, I don't know how I would do this because it, they were continually drawing from their own experience as an addict and um, or as a person with addiction. And it, it it was something where I, at the end of that meeting, was like, okay, I need your input on how I'm to be most effective when I don't have the story you have to, to provide hope or a like, well, I've done it so you can type of thing. And so I think that definitely is something that it's a little scary when I think about like being a full-time addiction counselor of how often running into that kind of pushback of like, well, you don't understand. So who are you to say this is what I should be doing? Yeah. I hear in that, that you're in that um, after your peer coaching observation, you were kind of looking for some reassurance from the the center staff oh, that gosh, yeah. you know it wasn't an essential component yeah. of what we're doing um but since we're on the topic of the the um, peer coaching session i was fortunate enough to see a a non role play okay. version um and i still left that experience with similar thoughts mm -hmm. to those that you've expressed of like wow a lot of what went on here um was a, a lot of first person reflection of oh i've been through that i've done that yeah. here's what you've got to do there was a lot of advice giving um and a lot of just you know validation from someone who's actually been through it which i think sure. has a real impact yeah no definitely um, and you know that self-disclosure that we can't do in a session was also present in those yeah um and i'm wondering if like it might help you to think because at some point during the observation, I was like, hold on a minute, this isn't a counseling session. Right. So I think what really helped me to try and pull back a little bit of that fear and anxiety about whether or not I could actually do this was reminding myself that what we were observing between the, the peer and the person who'd come in for the session was not a counseling session. Yeah. Um, you don't need, we're not required to, um, in fact, we're discouraged from unless it actively will help the client from revealing too much about ourselves and, right. um, or, you know, imposing our own views or giving them advice. Um, you know, that kind of goes, certainly goes against the motivational interviewing right. approach that we've been learning. Um, and I just wonder if thinking of it in that context 
kind of relieve some of your anxiety? Yeah, no, I definitely, I, it was clear, like I was aware it wasn't a counseling session, but at the same time, like there was definitely some MI going on in my um, peer coaching for sure. I was like, oh, this is MI. And I even asked them, I was like, are you doing MI? And they're like, yeah. And, um, but I just, I remember one of our professors saying, like, kind of posing the question to a client, like, would it make a difference in your recovery, whether or not I've struggled or not? Mm -hmm. What, what weight does that hold? And I kind of posed that question to them of like, obviously being as empathetic as I can be, being understanding, listening, hearing them. But also I think that's your, you're right where it comes in for us as you know future counselors is kind of also if that resistance is met almost like turning it in a way that's like well why is it so important to you that i have gone through that because what weight does that carry for you and i think that part does make me feel a little better i i think it's also just one of those things where I feel it's, you don't want to invalidate or like undermine a person's experience, you know? And it's like, sure, we've all felt at times like different feelings that mm -hmm. I can relate to. But I think sometimes, especially with how stigmatized like people with addiction can be already, it's, I think that's more of my fear is like, I don't want them to feel like I'm not hearing them. Right. You know, does that make sense? So it's, you think where the fear really is, is that from the client's point of view, they will feel like you're not following them. You don't understand them. And that may then compound what they're already feeling and what led them to the addiction in the first place. And you don't want to make the situation any worse. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's just, I don't want them to feel like they're not being like heard if they say, well, you just don't understand me. Right? right. And I'm, and even if I do turn around, I'm like, well, why is that important? Well, I can understand why it's important. You know, everybody wants to be understood in a way and relatable. Yeah. So I think that's more of where I'm like, where with what my strengths are as a counselor, will they be best in a center like this if they were to take on a L, like a LPC role? And that's when I start to be like, I don't know if this particular place and type of addiction counseling is actually like best for my strengths right at the end of the day. So maybe it's less an issue with, um, it's sorry, it's more an issue with the setting that this took place in rather than so maybe if you um, were aiming to work with um, people who are in established recovery, who had that kind of space to talk on a um, bigger picture level about what led them to recovery yeah. um, and more meaning and purpose oriented than just sort of day-to-day -day existence, which was very much what I was seeing in the peer yeah. coaching session. Um, you know, the person that, that I was observing was had just come out of jail was very much just getting by like day by day by day. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that focus in that session was on like 
how do we just get this person through and not using right. just for one more day like stabilization stabilization and maybe like some of that fear for me certainly comes from not being in that particular position yeah but i can certainly see that like later down the line as they um are starting to get to a point to be able to think less about how to um, survive without substances and more about okay i've got that under control and like where do i go from here how do i maintain this and what do i need to set up in my life um so that i don't feel the need to go back to using substances mm -hmm. for to cope yeah yeah no i agree i think i think for me when i think about like even in my job at the hospital i feel like i'm I understand people who are in a manic episode. I have more like understanding of someone's in a depressive episode and like understanding that level of stabilization mm -hmm. more in, than I think sometimes addiction just because it's, it's, and I think part of this is just from how much we've learned in terms of like the brain and neurotransmitters and just, you know, all the things biopsychosocial combined of it's hard. Like I have so much respect for these people because I can't imagine actually like putting in the work to get over something that's hard. Oh, for sure. <laughs> there is something to um, admire in yeah. seeing, especially when we kind of move on to observing the um the mutual help groups i mean there was a range of people in those right from those. like early recovery to you know i've i've yes. been in recovery established recovery for like 15 or more years yeah. now um and i think like when when you hear the stories they have to share about all of the hardships that they endured and all of the back and forth and what they had to sacrifice yeah. in order to get to where they are now yeah i mean the experiences are just hard to believe sometimes because they seem so extreme yeah and so despairing in some instances that um then you're looking at this person who's in this room and you're like this person's in a great place yeah um and so i guess that's really the benefit of these mutual help groups is that you know you've got the person sitting on this part of the circle who's thinking I'm never going to make the journey. And they're looking across the room at a person who's had the journey and connecting those two people together and giving somebody a sense of hope Yeah, is probably the most valuable thing or one of the most valuable things those settings offer. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I love the mutual, like the help groups. I love attending AA, NA, any of that stuff. Um, I attended some before I even started this program just to attend um, because I just found it so refreshing to be in a room full of people who are just like, I don't know any of these people and yet be that open and vulnerable. And, and especially like just the wisdom that to people who had just been through it and were in long-term recovery and just what they had to share, even mm -hmm. for stuff that was like applicable to my life, apart from like addiction, I was like, ah, oh. like 
we talked a lot in both of my groups about like letting go of control and different things like that. And just what everyone had to share. And I, I just, I really enjoyed it. And it was interesting in my group too, because one of the last groups I attended, it was like packed. Um, and on one side of the room, there's this like all dressed up businessman who I honestly, this is the calling myself out. I was like, he just doesn't look like he doesn't he, meet your, yeah, your visual. Isn't of that what terrible? An, yeah. I, but it crossed my mind and I caught it and I'm like, wait a minute. That's what is an, you know, what is a person who's addicted supposed to look like? And I was able to reshift, but it was interesting because just from that to a person who's just gotten out of jail as yeah. well and, and, and different things and it, and here they are all connecting under one thing. And I think that's kind of the wonderful thing about those meetings is it's, it's such a great opportunity to connect in a way that's relatable to them. And I think you've touched on two really important things there for me. And the first is that you said, you know, as you listen to people's stories, you were able to say, oh, hey, yeah, I can connect to that. I think you mentioned control as the example or letting mm -hmm. go of control. Yeah. Um, and I think like as I'm thinking back to what we were saying just a few moments ago about our doubt and our ability to help and connect with people in a group that we don't necessarily identify with, mm -hmm. I think that even you saying that you could relate to the themes kind of gives me a real clue into how we can connect and how we yeah. can help them if we take sure. the substance out of the picture and we focus on um, the reason, I think the way we refer to it is the why behind the right. use, then that is the thing we can really connect to and we can understand because we've all had those feelings. We've all had felt control or a need for control. We've lost control. Um, we've felt alone. We've felt powerless. You know, maybe it wasn't in relation to a substance, but we can certainly connect to the emotion and that will allow us to connect better with the clients who um, who are using substances, even if we haven't ourselves. And I think the second thing that um, I really caught on to or connected with and what you were saying just now is that you looked around the room and you're like, wow, there's a whole range of people here. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, and some of them don't look like how we, yeah. and I look, I'm guilty of the same sins. So, um, you know, cut yourself some slack on that one. But I think like that kind of really opens up the conversation about how widespread addiction is and that we shouldn't all just be picturing the person who's just got out of jail and has nothing, but we should also be picturing the high class, um, wealthy businessman or woman yeah. who is still struggling. And I think that again, just connects back to those underlying emotions and everybody has experienced them. So if yeah. we look at how do we connect to our clients on that emotional level, you know, maybe that's the way that we can help them the most. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I definitely, it's just so wild thinking about even when I was sitting in the group processing, like all these people, all their stories, all their lives, all the, all the like background history of these yeah. people. And it's just so, I think I go back to like how much I know we've talked about in class before of like, how much culture can set the standard. And mm -hmm. I think that's where that like an instant thought I had, you know, of like, he does not look like 
it looks like he's in the wrong place. Like, he right. should be out of business. I mean, you know, it, it's that almost glorification of the feelings you have when watching a movie and someone's doing drugs, but they're cool and they're high class and they're this versus maybe a movie that's about addiction recovery and what are your initial thoughts of them, you know, if they're on the street or their teeth look, you know, weird or whatever, you know, I think that's where even just like thinking about counseling, I'm like, gosh, there's so many like instantly ingrained things. Mm -hmm. Like it just popped up that to process through and to like catch. And I was very grateful that I did just catch it and be like, no, <laughs> that's wrong. But it, it, it is so wild how they just like, you'd never realize how much like culture or just like what your family's taught you or underlying beliefs you have with this population of people until you're like face to face and experience it. For sure. I think like, it's one thing to see things on the TV or read about them in books. But I think going and sitting with these people really kind of maybe gets you down, not you, yes. gets me down off like a pedestal of thinking on some level that this is not something that I will ever fall prey to because, yeah. you know, I've got these things lined up and I've got these support networks and, you know, I don't have financial concerns. Um, I have a family who loves me. Mm -hmm. um, and then you kind of look around and they start telling their stories and then you recognize yourself in them. Yeah. And I think that's what then dispels that myth of like, well, um, it's never going to happen to me because I don't look like this, this mm -hmm. negative portrayal over here. I look like this other guy over here, but that yeah. other guy is sitting in the room with me now. Yeah. yeah. So really like having to sit rather than read it in our books or talk about it in class, being present in that room with those people really gives you the opportunity to look around and be like, yeah, there's people just like me yeah. right here. I definitely felt humbled oh, after yeah. attending all three because and not that there, I felt like there's even like a pride thing to begin with, but I think in just recognizing the absolute humanity in the room is something that I was like, holy crap, <laughs> like this is going in an hour so deep and wide. And I think it, thinking of how much is fake nowadays. Oh yeah. I think that's where I just was like, whoa, like for these people to come in and just immediately kind of take their mask off and just like dive into it because they feel safe enough in a space to talk about their experiences in that way was something that, I mean, People don't even do in their private counseling that they pay for with their, they're not always real with their, I know there's times I'm not real with my therapist. Yeah. And I just was like, gosh, I felt convicted. I was like, man, I need to be more real with myself. And like, <laughs> it those gave you an opportunity me. to yeah. look at yourself and think, hold on, am I doing some things here that, you know, yeah. aren't going to help me in the long run? No, literally. And it, it, I think that's something that I just so... I really appreciated the whole project we had to do. Like, I think that, and I appreciated back in the spring when we even had to attend mm -hmm. the um, like group meetings as well, because 
I think it just, it, it's a, it's, it opens a door to me at least of experience, experiencing something totally not the norm in the everyday like life or it is the norm and everybody ignores it yeah (laughs) but it's like i don't sit around a table with my friends and talk no that's true you know and that's what i mean is like it just is this next level that a bunch of strangers just come together and i think that's just the coolest thing about it and i think what you're describing there is part of the fact that they just welcomed us in and then they shared their really kind of intimate and detailed histories. And it's almost the opposite of what we were describing earlier when we were saying, Oh, we're going to go in here. We're not going to fit in. We don't belong Mm -hmm. here. These people aren't like me, but what's really interesting to me is that from their perspective, that barrier wasn't there. Yeah. They were just, they were so welcoming and so willing to just accept us for who we were. Yeah. Um, I certainly didn't feel any, um, like questioning or resistance from them in terms of like, who are these people? What are they doing here? Um, So like that, I think that part was really surprising to me just Mm -hmm. that they were like, oh, okay, here's some more people for us to go on this journey with. Yeah. Um, And I guess maybe in some ways, the more people who they, they meet through this program, the more they realize that they aren't alone. Yeah. And I guess that's so much of the premise of, um, these mutual help groups is that look, hey, there are other people out there who have the same experience as you. If you let them in and you connect with them, that will go some way to helping you in your journey. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, I I I feel the same way. I think that it definitely. I keep saying definitely. I think that's like the hundredth time I've said it. We'll allow it. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but I know that I I was nervous at first to be saying like my name's Annabelle and I am, I'm here to learn or Uh I'm here to support or that title. I was so nervous to say it just because I was like, Oh gosh, like what if they're like, get out, you know? Yeah. But then when most of them were just like, awesome. I can breathe. Yeah. Yeah, No, I agree. And I think, I think if there's anything, it sounds like we both walk away with, it's definitely, the openness and the realness that we experienced and the acceptance we experienced, as you've already said, goes against our, at the beginning of this episode, the thoughts we have and the fears we have around um, a lot of, is this right for us? Yeah. 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 Of, and I know that so much more of it's just going to come with like experience where, were the ones like in the saddle and not just like watching. Yeah, exactly. It's It's that fear of the unknown. Oh yeah. I think once we get in and start doing it, we'll realize that actually it's all okay. Yeah. And that we can use our skills to connect with anybody. Yeah. If we just go in with that acceptance that they demonstrated to us when we arrived at these groups, even if we just start there, then we've got a foot in the door. Um, but I, I think like going back to this a minute ago, you mentioned like when you led the group and you have to read off the sheet yeah. and there's a script and you just fill in your name in the blank. Right. Um, like I spent a lot of time, like too much time thinking about like, what was I going to say? How was I going to phrase it? Because yeah. I don't want to say, hi, my name's Bron and I'm an alcoholic because then I'm lying to them. Sure. 
they'll find out I'm lying to them and then they'll think that I'm taking advantage of them and that I shouldn't be there. Uh, like to the point that I'd even written something out and sent it to our instructor. I was like, can I say this? She was like, sure. Um, but then in the moment, and you actually were there yeah. on the day that I led. And I, like in the moment, I was like, I just had this moment of clarity where I was like, it doesn't matter what I say here. Like yeah. if I, so I just read the script and said, hi, my name's Bronwyn and I'm an alcoholic and then did the rest of it. And I think what I realized in that moment is what I was really afraid of is my own, what would people think of me if I said I was an alcoholic? Sure. More that like these people aren't judging me, but what are people outside of this setting? If they'd heard me say that, yeah, what would they think of me? Yeah. And I think like even that little part gives me some that fear of what are people gonna think um is also something that this this group of um clients is gonna have felt at some oh, point. Like definitely. that judgment and um that was for sure like when I thought about it, like why am I so fixated on how I'm gonna phrase this? was that fear of being judged by other people if someone yeah. had found out that I had done it. Yeah. I think that's a invaluable like experience, you know, like to sit in a space where you can in real time like learn. Yeah. Like ah this is this this gives me a small experience of what a client can often feel yeah. like you said. And I think that's such a powerful thing. Um, you know, and I think that, man, I think just everything we learn from our experience is just something we obviously can take away bits and pieces to not only work on ourselves, but to also put towards our, you know, counseling skills in the future. Um, but I thank you so much for your vulnerability and for joining me. And I would loved watching you lead that group. You did it awesome. <laughs> thank you for the support, Anna. And I'm glad you asked me to do this with you because yes. it really helps me to talk through these thoughts yes. with other people. So thank I you. I agree. Thank you so much.